When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a diehard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. So the last thing I remember clear as day was grabbing the door handle of the classroom and I passed out. Michelle. Hey, Carling. How are you? I am fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I think my body's falling apart a little bit, but... Yeah, that's not good. I have this, like, weird thing where I can't lift my arm. Did you tell me yesterday you think it's frozen shoulder? Yeah. I don't know. I can't... Based on no... (laughs) medical background but my mother-in-law has frozen shoulder oh man it seems a little bit better today i can move it more but i just suddenly couldn't lift my arm or hold anything in my arm without excruciating pain that's not good it's not great but i don't have time to go see a doctor right now so it's just gonna have to (laughs) hold out how was your week it was okay I went back to work, so it was chaotic, like getting kids to and from school one thing i feel like we will be remiss if we do not mention the passing of our her majesty the queen were you at work when the news broke was i what day was it a wednesday or a thursday i think it was wednesday i wasn't at work no and that was during my week off i believe oh yeah my work is very divided there are some of my coworkers who are devastated for the passing of the queen and there are some that are like "Mm, she was like a racist old white lady <laughs> I'm, I'm just ambivalent. Like, also, how are we shocked? She's 97 years old. Like, yeah, she lived a really good. It didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, she was gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't really care much about the monarchy. I'm not like hardcore, like waking up at four in the morning to follow along. Yeah. I keep an eye on like news and social media things that come out, but it wasn't yeah. until some of the truths came out. With Meghan Markle and what's his name, Harry. It just seems weird that Canada is part of a monarchy. And I don't know all the ins and outs, but it seems weird. And our prime minister announced last week that they're going to have a national holiday for the death of the queen. This would be like an annual holiday. Then there was talk with Alberta, our province, whether or not we would observe it. And I just thought if we observe the dying of the queen but we don't observe our truth and reconciliation day yeah. i'm moving out of the province but luckily we're okay. uh, i guess we're just not celebrating either or either i shouldn't yeah, say holiday like a federal day off yeah okay. yeah anyway but did you see the video of the poor son of a gun guard who yeah, fell right yeah. on his face like fully he did that thing where when you fall and then the back of your body yes. goes up, it's like your- <laughs> 
You kind of do like the fish yeah. thing. A bunch of people in suits ran to his side. But, like everybody else just has to stand there as if it's not happening. And the dead you queen's behind him it. in her coffin. Yeah. And yeah. then they get him stood up. It's his turn to move forward and he stumbles to the side and he's forever going to be known as that guy. Do you think he went home that night or in his dressing room? I don't know where they get changed. And just like everybody was razzing him. You know what my first thought was that he did it on purpose so that he could get out of standing there. Or he had somebody, he's like, this is going to be big on TikTok. Or like, <laughs> maybe he like held his breath a little bit so that he yeah. made himself pass out. Yeah. As a child, I will tell you that to get out of punishments, I would hold my breath until I passed out. So it can be done. That is very concerning. Yes. I'm not really sure what's going on up here. I don't know how many brain cells I killed you with that. But do not recommend. Have your kids ever done it? My kids have done the crying so hard that they stop breathing. Oh, okay. And that is the most terrifying. I remember holding, I think it was Julia. I remember holding her in my arms and she was crying so hard because she hurt herself. Yeah. Like she hit her head or something. She did that thing where they start crying and no sound is coming out. Oh. It's went completely limp in my arms. Oh my God. Like I felt like an entire body just go limp yeah. before and I remember holding her and I, at the same time I said Julia I shook my arms I was like yeah. Julia and she like came back Ugh. but holy cow that feeling was awful no, that's too scary oh it was so scary wow what was I how was your my week was good it's so busy at work and like now I'm in I'm getting leads for event spaces at the same pace as everybody oh, wow. else which is really nice but holy yeah. smokes it's so busy which but it's good oh wow and yeah. I'm going to Winnipeg this week on Tuesday yes. I keep forgetting and I'm really worried that I'm just gonna go to work Tuesday and not have packed and then I'll be like, oh, I need to be at the airport in half an hour. But hopefully I'll just remember. I'm going to spread my dad's ashes. That's probably going to be a horrible thing, but like maybe a no beautiful kidding. thing. And my cousin yeah. is getting married. Right. Two for a little. spreading in a little. Yeah, bit. just come full circle. Visit with my family that I don't see often. And yeah, that'll be nice. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Yeah, I don't know. What I was going to, I was going to say the funniest thing that I did we have like a top load washer, not a front okay. load. And yeah. two or three times now, I have filled it, put soap in it, put the little Febreze beads in it, yeah, and then walked away without closing it. And so the oh, whole thing okay. fills up with water and then Gosh. it just doesn't continue its cycle because the lid is wide open. Oh, that is so funny. I think it's because I start it and then the lid's open and then I pour the soap in and then I put the thing in. And then I put the soap yeah, back and I just turn around and walk away. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And your laundry is I guess we'll doing. just soak here until you realize it. Yeah. And then yesterday, a few times, I was like, oh, I got to go flip the laundry, but I just never did. And then Lindsay oh, went down there this morning and she was like, oh, the washing machine lid was open. <laughs> so, so now fun. it's extra clean because it's so I'm having a washing machine issue right now. And I think it's because it's a front loader. I do not like front load washing No, machines. I prefer top load. I feel yeah, I feel like they're very finicky. Mm -hmm. For some reason right now, mine is not, it's not doing the drain and spin thing. It'll get an error and then you open it and the clothes are like sopping wet. It doesn't have just a spin function because I just want to put it on spin. Yeah. To get the get the water dry. No, but you have to rinse and spin. Like I don't want to, I don't want to add more water. I just want to spin. Yeah. But there's no way to just spin. Like, are you putting too many clothes in? Is it a balance issue? That's what my mother oh. said. But <laughs> no. Because 
you're putting too many clothes in there. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I know how to do laundry. Yeah, you've been doing laundry since you were 12. Yeah. So to test it, I did another load with like half. And it did the same thing. You got to call your landlord. This is the benefit of being a renter is that if something goes awry, you just call your landlord and he's got to fix it. I know, but I'm traumatized. I'm traumatized by anything now that happens. It's going to be a reason to evict me. Right. Because of the last people. Right. But my landlord is really good. He's super nice. He's just like, anything you need, let me know. So I know it's fine. It's just like another thing. Yeah. Yeah. But um, uh-huh. I wanted to say something. I talked a little bit about it on our Patreon, but when I dropped the kids off at the school, I was wearing my I did not sign up for this hoodie because it yeah. was cold. And I felt so awkward wearing it. I don't know why, but people kept looking at me and I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> and I don't, know if, I don't know if you've experienced it when you're wearing it. It was just too many people at the school trying to read my sweater. And I was like, I don't like this. And then a couple of days later, I was talking to one of the moms who I've met since school started. She was talking about having the kids over on today and I was like oh that would be great because I actually I was like and I'm like I have a podcast and we record on Sundays and she's like yeah I know I'm like what (laughs) she knew and listened to the podcast before her and I ever met that's so and then she wild it's me and I was like oh my god this is so embarrassing and then another mom's like what you have a podcast I'm like I gotta go (laughs) (laughs) no I don't and just run away throw your hoodie away Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't think that I'm good at We're never going to get a brand deal with that attitude. As soon as they started asking me, my face was just like instantly (laughs) red. It's pretty highly ranked. Hey. And I was like, yeah, I guess. Oh my God. (laughs) That's really funny. Yeah, but it's cute. Maybe if it's highly ranked, we need, I need to put this out there. My stepdaughter's bike was stolen from her dad's house. And so Lindsay put it on like the neighborhood community Facebook page. Yeah. Somebody sent her a dash cam footage and she was like, I was just driving today and I saw a man riding this bike and I, it caught my eye because it's such a bright color and he's way too big for it. So she sent a picture and that's her bike like less than a block from her dad's house. And I guess it looked like he was like scoping out yards. What a scumbag. Yeah. And so I'm like, are we getting bats? We going out driving around this neighborhood, like looking for this man on this bike? Yeah. Like I. You got to get a stick and you stick it in the wheel and then he flies off. Yeah. I know. I hate that. Like I've had my bike stolen and it's such a like vile. What's that called? Like. Yeah, violation. violation. Like yeah. it feels, yeah, yeah, that's awful. And then that's to, an awful feeling. I've had like my vehicle gone through, and you're just like, God, like, yeah. Now somebody's been yeah, here. Yeah, Ugh, just feels. Weird. I had a friend once who had somebody go into her house and took a shower, had a had a <gasps> drink from a like a beverage in the fridge, like poured a glass, wrote a love note. Like this person was maybe either under the influence or had some mental health problems and was like writing like a journal entry on a piece of paper. So they got home and they didn't really notice right away, but like a cupboard was left open. Then they were like, that's weird that this glass was just left on the counter like this with some liquid in it and then they didn't notice the note right away but they went up and in their bathroom the towel was on the floor oh my 
And so they started piecing it all together and they called the police at like somebody had been in their house for at least an hour, I'd say. They could have come home at any time. What a violating. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Not great. Somebody could break into my house and leave a glass and I'd be like, yeah. That's always been there, right? Oh my God. All right. We should get, are you trying to catch a fly? Yeah, there's a little tiny I had a little aphid in here around. earlier too. Maybe Ooh, it went through my computer into yours. Yeah, they're there. trying to see each other on yeah. camera. <laughs> hey, Frank, can you see me? <laughs> Judy, is that you? <laughs> oh, God. All right, let's get into today's episode. Okay, okay bye. Hi, how are you guys doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. So I will just give a little introduction to myself. I grew up with an abusive father and my mom was always there for me. She was great. Love her to death. I got my wisdom teeth taken out and ended up getting addicted to opiates. And I had never taken a pill or anything like that before in my life until that time. And that's when my whole addiction started. So that's just a little. Wow. That's wild. And how old were you when you got your wisdom teeth out? I was 16. Wow. Like, I just think like 16, you're just a baby. Like now that I'm in my thirties, 16 just feels so little and innocent. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, I see on my TikTok a lot that people will say, you know, oh, you're blaming your addiction on other things, but That's not the case. It's explaining how the addiction started Mm -hmm. so that other people can realize that this is what happens and this is what leads up to addiction. I'm not, I take full responsibility, but 16 year old me, 16 year old child, I refuse to take responsibility for becoming addicted off of a substance, a drug that I was prescribed after getting my wisdom teeth taken out. Especially, yeah. Any one of us is going to take the doctor's advice and they tell you to take this and you're going to go fill your prescription and you're going to take it. Exactly. And I had gotten, I was prescribed. So when I went and got my wisdom teeth taken out, I was prescribed, which this was, I was 16 years old. I'm 25 now. So almost 10 years ago. And they prescribed me 30 10 milligram oxycodone that's a month's worth obviously yeah you will get addicted you're physically you will become addicted within it depends on the person but i would say two weeks so i had that first script and i was taking them daily and then i got a dry socket that's oh yeah i've had one the of thing after you know, what can happen after a, yeah teeth removal. So they, I went back in, it was painful. I go back in and they give me another script of the oxycodone. The biggest thing is that they never told me this is a very addictive substance. Mm-hmm. You need yeah. to be careful. And then the biggest thing is that they didn't offer or mention a taper plan. If I oh, were right. to have been not cut off cold turkey and going through withdrawals at 16 years old, and if I would have been weaned off of this medication, there is a high chance that I would not have become an addict for eight years. Right. So because it, it helps your the withdrawals physically and mentally, you shut down. So if you wean off, 
then you're able to actually continue working, continue. Like I had, you know, a business that I was trying to run and that came on later in in my addiction. I just, I was also embarrassed. I was 16 years old and I wasn't going to come with my mom or my dad and who was a psycho, you know, and say, I got addicted to opiates. Like, yeah. The first thing that they're going to think is, send her to rehab, send her to detox because they don't know. I just personally don't think that would have been the best thing for me. I don't know. And everyone's different. What was your understanding of drugs at 16? We talked before we officially started about what we learn in school. So what did you know about drugs and drinking and addiction in general? At 16. Yes. I remember my parents had said since I was little, don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. The typical thing. And that's what most parents just know. And I remember in school when I was being taught about substance abuse and drug addictions, blah, 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 all that stuff. It was my librarian that was talking about it, who has no prior experience with drug or substance abuse, a lot of times they start saying words like neurotransmitters and they bring science Mm -hmm. into the discussion and you're going to lose kids like that because they hear those words and they don't want to listen anymore. So you need to be, I think, relatable to these kids and real addicts need to be coming in and recovered, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) and talking to the kids with a story, something that they can follow. And Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, okay. So her addiction started from a wisdom tooth removal. And then she went and started seeking out pills on the street because she was going through such awful withdrawals. Uh And then after that, I ended up going through, I couldn't find any more. I was withdrawing again. And then I was introduced to Xanax. Uh Then that was my kicker that went downhill. And I had never heard about Xanax being talked about in these drug talks that you have from yeah. your parents or from schools or from yeah. you know, anywhere. Yeah. And like we, I remember learning that like I would be walking down the street and somebody from an alley would come in and offer me heroin or cocaine. It wasn't something that I might find in a medicine cabinet or in yeah. somebody's bag. You know, uh-huh. my theory was that it was going to be like shady people coming at me with needles. Exactly. And yeah. it's, it's 99% of addictions do not start with, hey, let me see that needle you have right there. I want to stick that up my arm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> People do and get to that point because they're going through, they're addicted, they're going through withdrawals. When you're going through those types of withdrawals, that needle becomes more of a relief than a fear. Cause you know, right. people will say, oh, I'll never stick a needle up my arm, go through some withdrawals like that. And you see that needle and you're like, that's going to make me feel better. It gets yeah, a little bit no. more tempting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I personally never went to heroin. I was thankfully never introduced. That was the only reason that I didn't do it because I know that I would have if it was introduced to me. And right now, is obviously the most dangerous time to be playing around, messing around with pills off the street, mm-hmm. especially. Yeah. Fentanyl is in, I would say, 80% of all street pills. Wow. Yeah. 
That's another thing that I think people don't understand is, and I didn't understand it. I was buying Xanax from off the street, whatever, for years, my addiction. I was taking eight plus milligrams a day. So I was taking a lot and I would pick up a batch and I would take a little bit of it just because this is my thought process that I was going to take a little bit and then I would be able to tell if this batch was going to be good or if it was going to maybe make me overdose or something like that because there's something inside of this drug that is a pressed pill. And that's actually very bad. It It doesn't mean anything that you took that one little bite and you're like, oh, I'm fine. Because that one little bite could have the amount of fentanyl in it that kills you just because that maybe you took the whole pill and you're like, oh, I'm fine. Other pills in that batch are going to, these aren't chemists making (laughs) these concoctions for you to take. These are just people, your everyday dude on the street in their basement putting this stuff together and it might be an accident. It might not be on purpose, but either way, they don't know what they're doing. (laughs) And that's a huge problem in today with everything. I truly believe that if I were to have been doing what I was doing, abusing and doing drugs, the way that getting them off the streets, doing all the things I was doing in today's day, I would be dead because- The amount that I was taking, the amount that I had come across, there's no way that not one of those pills would have had fentanyl in it in today's day. Yeah. Who told you or how did you come up with the idea that you were going through withdrawals and you couldn't get Oxy, so you needed to find something else? Yeah. So I actually withdrew from the Oxys and I, since I had grown up in an abusive household, my dad, the Xanax, I was introduced, I had already gone through the withdrawals of the opiates. So I was done with that. I was like, okay. And the opiates weren't, it's not my drug of choice, actually. And that's what I found out when I was introduced to the Xanax. So I had gone through the withdrawals, but I was still, the opiates made me happier And so it made me feel just a little bit happier in my life, in my home, when I was always afraid. And then when I withdrew from that and I'm back to normal, but also mentally not back to normal because it's not been long enough. And I was introduced to Xanax by a friend. And it was, I didn't have any intention of getting addicted to it either, but I tried it and that was all it took. One time trying it because it, Taking Xanax makes you feel like everything could be on fire and you don't care. So in my house, I, it was the first time that I really felt like safe and just didn't care because like I said, it could be on my house, could be on fire and I wouldn't care. So if my dad's abusive, I'm like, okay. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. (laughs) Then I realized that I like the downers because it makes me not feel basically. And that was how that happened and transpired into that. And then the Xanax never stopped. And I will tell you, an addict will go to any length to get their drug of choice or any drug at that point, if they're withdrawing. How do you find? How do you find it? Yeah. So I was just introduced to it from friends. And then after that, yeah, you'll do anything basically to, to get it. And so I, I was also in college. I was a freshman in college 
at that point. I had started Xanax a little bit before that, but I got really heavy into it in college. And that's how how I was able to get it so easily. I was at the bar. Mm-hmm. You would be surprised at how many people have this stuff and they're like i'm not kidding like in in med school they're you would have no idea so it was like these people that i would just come across and we would vibe whatever and then they're like oh yeah like i have xanax or i would see somebody had xanax i'm like oh where'd you get that i was picking it up from people that i didn't even know there are so many ways and addicts will find ways to get what they want and that i think is just the the biggest way of how addicts find things it's just really easy the opiates are harder to find now and that's why you're seeing so many of these pressed per 30s like yeah it's fentanyl like they're fentanyl and like some other stuff mixed together and they're just fake yeah is fentanyl added i don't even maybe you don't know but i really don't know is fentanyl added because it's cost effective for the distributor or are they adding it because it is dangerous and they want to kill people i don't know there's a lot about this i would love to talk about it fentanyl is added to it is a cost thing cost effective for the dealer and it will make you a lot higher out of this world so they will put it into these pills to make them stronger so that they're the And with some, so some don't have intention of killing people, but they might, but they're going to put this in there to make it stronger. Say I, for example, was getting Xanax with fentanyl in it. Now I wouldn't know, but I was like, oh, that Xanax is stronger from this plug than it is from this plug. So I'm going to go to this plug. Yeah. And that's the one with fentanyl in it. So uh, it's a kind of a marketing coming tactic. back, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. a marketing tactic as well. And then they also in really bad areas, like for example, Baltimore has been hit really hard by the opiate epidemic and they will actually have people, and these are in bad areas. Like you don't, people don't even believe it because they don't see it, yeah. but will actually have make pills just packed with fentanyl. So addicts will literally on the corner, like corner boys that will be out there, they will be lining up to get these pills. And then there's going to be a certain, they know these dealers know that there's going to be a certain amount of ODs. And then that word is going to spread. And then all of these addicts are going to come and try and be seeking out their dope in that specific strength, even though it made the other person OD, they might not have died because somebody around could have Narcan, but there are, and there will continue to be deaths by that marketing tactic that these dealers are using. And then people will ask me, okay, I don't see that, but I hear of people dying from fentanyl all the time in my sub in suburbs. I'm like, yeah, that's because these pills are also sent and distributed to other other surrounding areas and in those pills might be the ones where that they just accidentally put too much into a pill right. and mm-hmm. somebody died because they know in those suburban areas it's not as bad and people aren't going those aren't the people that are going to be lining up taking yeah. these like when they have the batch ready yeah there's fentanyl is just a huge problem and yeah, yeah, it's scary. It's really it's scary. So I actually, scary. and this is also something I want to say. It's very important, and I think a lot of people either forget or they just don't know. But if you are with a friend or 
anyone and you see that and you're using drugs and they're using drugs and they have a seizure or they start to overdose or anything like that, call 911. You are not going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. You are going to save their life and it's you won't get in trouble. Like yeah. they're not I don't know if there's there's like a law or something about that, but you won't yeah. get in trouble okay. calling to help and saving this person's life. I actually had a friend who passed away in high school. I don't know what they were doing. I know that they were smoking some weed, whatever. He started having a seizure and they were in a car, but what they did because they were afraid of getting in trouble was uh-huh drop him throw like, i don't know how they got him drug him out yeah. of the car having the seizure put him in his front yard and he passed away in his front yard and his mother found oh, him my God. and if they could have just taken him to the hospital and none yeah. of them would have gotten in trouble and yeah. that's something that kids need to know is that always call 911 if there's an issue you will not get in trouble I have been around, I've seen multiple people overdose and I've found people overdose after where there's nothing I could do about it. And that was actually when I had started dancing, I found a dancer in the bathroom who had overdosed and it's just super scary. And there's usually people are around, not always, but if you are around, please call 911. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's so scary. If you can think back now to being 16 Was there anything your parents should have noticed to know? Or I guess, what was the period where all of a sudden your parents or your peers or people started to know about your addiction? So that's the crazy part uh, is that nobody knew about my addiction. And I, my parents didn't know, my mom, my dad, nobody knew. And they didn't know until after I recovered. And I told them. Because I didn't want them to worry if I would have told my mom, hey, I'm a drug addict, she would be up all night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I I just was like, I didn't want to do that. So when I had friends, like people that I lived with, that would see certain things that are red flags for sure, but they just didn't know the extent of it. And it's normalized in college to take things. And mm-hmm. so they didn't yeah. Yeah, experiment. And they didn't realize that I, and I was hiding it. I was taking eight or more milligrams a day. For example, here's a red flag of something that I did. I invite it after taking some Xanax. I invited one of my friends. I was like, hey, let's go out tonight. So she gets ready and I'm thinking it was about like an hour later. I had fallen asleep because the drugs knocked me out. Yeah. And she walks through my front door because she's one of my friends. So she just walked in and I like wake up and I go, what are you doing here? Oh. <laughs> I had no memory of yeah. inviting her to go out an hour prior. Right. That is a huge red flag. You know what I yeah. mean? So it's things like that, that, but people wouldn't notice because I was so high functioning and I could even actually take these pills and go out and drink on top of it Wow! and go to the bar. Yeah. Like the tolerance that I had made no sense. I would go out to the bar. I would drink on top of it. And I would keep up with the drinks that everyone else was taking, not on drugs. Yeah. And it was like, that's another reason nobody knew because I was acting the same as them. I could keep myself together. I wasn't yeah. stumbling. I wasn't slurring over my words. I seemed perfectly fine. I had a good job in college. I had A's and B's. I was taking chemistry and had wow. A's in chemistry. 
Like, it's just really interesting how drugs affect people differently. But I do have one story. So I had run out of Xanax and this is just like a bad, this is where an addict's brain goes basically when you run out of your preferred drug. So uh, my dog was prescribed like some kind of anxiety medicine. I don't remember what it was called, but it was in a blue bottle, whatever. I would take these drugs before going to class. I was about to actually go to get Yeah, so that was normal for me to do that. And so I took this and I was just like, okay, like I had to go give a presentation in class. And I get up to give my presentation. I go to class, get up to give the presentation. All of a sudden, I'm feeling weird. I'm like, this is not good. I remember I got through about three-fourths of the presentation and my speech started to just wither away like it wasn't coming out of my mouth anymore and so I just flipped because I had two slides left so I just flipped and then I was like I think I'm gonna pass out and then I walked to the door I was like I think I'm gonna pass out and I walked to the door so I was like I need to get some water I didn't really know what was happening because I wasn't getting blurry vision anything like that but I knew something was wrong so the last thing I remember clear as day was grabbing the door handle of the classroom. And this is what I was told now after. So I grabbed the door handle and passed out, but I clenched it. And so when I clenched the door handle, I swung myself and with the weight of the door into a concrete wall and hit my head oh, no. on the concrete wall and fell to the ground in front of the whole classroom. Like, and I'm the full attention because I was just giving a presentation. Thankfully, I passed out in the only building that EMTs are in that building because they have a gym there. Yeah, so the EMTs actually did get there like within a couple of minutes. And they and they asked me, had you taken anything? I say, oh, this is I'm I don't remember this part. I don't remember two weeks after the (gasps) of this event. This is just what I was told because one of my good friends was in the class and they were right up next to me listening to what was going on. And they asked me, are you on anything? Did you take anything? I lied. I said, yeah, of course. And then they asked me, how old are you? I was 21 at the time. And I told them I was 19 because I didn't know. They were like, where would you know where you are and I was like I'm in a classroom I didn't know like where I was just confused so that's just a something that can happen where your addict brain takes you to these weird things like who would ever take their dog's medication an addict yeah yeah (laughs) there's just so many crazy things that it can make you do And so what's that turning point towards where you start thinking recovery? So for me, I knew it was a problem. Not for a while. It took probably about two years of the Xanax addiction before I realized that it was a problem. And I realized at that point, but that wasn't when I stopped. I stopped for a little bit and then I came back to school and started using again. My turning point didn't happen. I, it's I had over five relapses. So I would try. I would try and stop taking them and I would relapse every single time. So I had moved to Florida. I had started dancing because I had no money. And I started actually learning from these men that I was coming into contact with that had a lot of money. 
I was asking them questions and trying to figure out because I graduated, I had my degree, but I didn't, I couldn't work a nine to five job because of the addiction. And also, I was making more money dancing in six months than I would have made at my job in a whole year. So that made it really hard for me to try and transition out of that. The biggest turning point was when I decided to invest in, well, in an Amazon FBA course, starting my own business on Amazon and working from home. And I had the money to invest because I was dancing. And so I went through all of that. That's when I was like, okay, I need to get myself together a little bit. Six months went on. And then after that, like starting period of building my business. And then when my product was about to launch was when I was like, okay, this is in. And then I had started my TikTok and I was gaining TikTok following for my dog. And then I've created other ones as well. And I was like, this isn't going to fit my lifestyle. Like I'm trying to make a lot of money and I can't be on Xanax every day or at all. And that's when I was like, all right, something's got to be done. But I've relapsed five times doing what I had done before. And I couldn't leave my dogs. I couldn't leave where I was living. I was alone in Florida and I had to pay rent. I had to take care of my dogs. And I know a lot of people come across that with kids and they just don't know what to do. So what I did was I started weaning myself off and it took so much mind power to do that because you have, I had them all. I could take them if I wanted them, but I, for about a month, I cut down a milligram and then a month later I would cut down more and more until I was all the way off. So I never went through those withdrawal symptoms as severe as you would Uh cold turkey or going to the detox center. And I was able to keep my mental and physical health good. You know what I mean? Better than maybe another scenario. And that is how I got off of the, oh, and also I started taking an antidepressant because I knew that my serotonin and dopamine levels were very low. And this, this medication was just meant to boost my serotonin and dopamine levels. They didn't know that I was weaning off of another substance. I just did my own research on that. Okay. Is everything going to be good if I yeah, do this? Yeah, like, you know, yeah. can I mix these drugs together? So that's what I did. I personally think that is one of the best ways. Everyone's different, yeah. but one of the best ways to get off of a substance if or if you are a high-functioning addict that can't up and leave and you have that mind power to do it. And yeah. I also like when it comes to heroin or meth or crack or something like that's when you really need to go get professional help because you can die over and you can die from Xanax withdrawals as well. That needs to be, you can have seizures and stuff like that. So that's why you need to taper and be really careful. That was my big turning point and what worked for me and kept me off of it because it just leveled out over time with my mental Mm -hmm. health. And then I was going through the trauma of like abuse and all of that from when I was younger. And um, that's what really did it for me. And I've replaced my addiction with something else. Like I like to go to the gym, but but that's hard to do right at the beginning because your body feels awful. So I replaced my addiction with learning 
all that I needed to know about Amazon. So I'm addicted to work in my business. And some people are like, well, that's bad too. It's a lot better than being addicted to pills. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not going to yeah. kill you, right? Yeah. Exactly. Replacing the addiction and weaning off to keep my mental health and physical health in a good place to be able to go and carry out my daily tasks. That was the best way for me. Yeah. So, are you doing all of this alone? Like the relapses, are you letting anybody in on what you're trying to do? I no. didn't. No. Yeah. I wish those... you had. That's a good question, actually. Like um, a friend or I don't know. I had, said, I had said before that if I had, if some, if I hadn't been high functioning and someone would have noticed that I was an addict, that I think I would have recovered a lot sooner. But do I wish I told somebody? I don't think so because then it would have they their thoughts about how I should recover mm. would be put then on to me when pressure, I know myself yeah. how I for me at least I knew myself what was gonna work for me. Where if I were to say that to somebody they're going to say, you need to go to treatment. You need to go to detox. You need to drop out of college. You need to, where are my dogs going to go? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I just couldn't. And so I don't regret that. And it also gave me so much knowledge about substance abuse and getting off of a drug by yourself and doing these relapses and what happens to your body? How are you going to feel? And so then now I can help other people set up a taper plan as a coach that will help them to, if anything, wean down a little bit. I actually have gotten somebody off of taking 120 milligrams of oxycodone a day to zero. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That has made me so happy. I just couldn't even, I can't even express it. Like it changes people's lives because who knows that person two years from now, they we wouldn't have come into contact could have been shooting up heroin because they couldn't find the opiates anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I guess everybody's different in their recovery and what Mm -hmm. works for them. Some people might need to have the support of family and friends and have the accountability and have somebody checking up on them. Yeah. And the dancing also made me realize that that's not something that anyone it works for some people and I don't I never am dogging a dancer ever but it's a dark industry yeah and it's it causes trauma it just does I don't even if they say it's not it is and that was like I realized the people that I was around and it was just I knew if I stayed in that environment I was going to go downhill really fast and like downhill to the point that I was probably shooting up or doing other things, fentanyl, you can shoot up fentanyl. It's just, yeah, it's just really just mind boggling, I guess, because of how different substances affect different people. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that if you stayed in that industry, things were going to go bad for you and probably similar to an alcoholic working at a bar. Like you're, you don't want to put yourself in a position when you know that you can easily fall back into addiction. I've abused many substances, but my only drug of choice, like even if someone were to like ox, like the opiates and the oxycodone 
wasn't even because that's an upper though that was just the first thing i came across that made me feel better mm -hmm. but the xanax was the downer that made me feel better that is just when you start playing around with these other drugs and you have your drug of choice then it's like i could drink on top of my drug of choice and right. but i was never an alcoholic i never was like oh, i gotta drink it made me sick i couldn't get up in the morning and drink more. Like I get hangovers. I just couldn't possibly be. So it really like also like boils down to your drug of choice and making sure that after you get out of addiction, that you're not around any person that dabbles or that is in any kind of environment doing that stuff, because it's yeah. going to come back to you. Even if they don't do it around you, you're still involved with a person like that. Yeah. You just can't. It's yeah. not a good idea. And how do you fight off those days where you think if I just took a pill, like I'd feel better? Or like, how do you deal with the trauma of your past and not taking Xanax and yeah. working through it instead? So that was really a difficult thing at the especially like starting out at the beginning, because since I was 16, since I was a kid, like really, I was using substances to solve or lessen my issues, yeah, lessen yeah. my issues to myself, problems. It was like, I had to relearn how to go through my emotions sober in a healthy way. And actually letting those emotions out is the healthy yeah. way. Like not just taking a pill to, to suppress it, but actually letting those tears out or talking. That's when I really started opening up about my, the, abuse and just trauma and stuff like that talking really helped me and yeah. also i have to say tiktok did as well when you're having like that craving or it's that moment and you have a trigger or something and you're just like oh i want one so bad and you go on to tiktok and you start looking at like recovery stuff or like content or even things that i like I personally like things that have to do with the brain and mind. So listening to somebody that's a doctor and they're talking about the brain and mind and how it works. So just getting a more of an understanding of what I was going through with wanting more of that. And then with the trauma, I did do, do some therapy after with my dad or not with my, actually I did do that with him one time, but didn't very go very well. Um, <laughs> I was doing the therapy myself and that did help me through the trauma part of it because you can sit back and think about all the things that were done to you over and over again, but it's not gonna necessarily help you at all. Um, yeah. You just gotta figure out how to work past it. And TikTok has a lot of good resources on how to recover, stay sober, yeah. And it also just gives you hope too that you can recover and you can have a life better than you can have ever imagined mm -hmm. for yourself. That's like the best part of it. Like when I look back and I'm just like, wow, I did all of that. And how you were saying, like, how did no one really realize? Like my mom, she had said, because we had talked about this and stuff and she didn't know like she some days she would be like oh like she sounds tired or something like that mm -hmm. but you see a lot of parents and people don't know those small signs my yeah. voice 
also be very like, cause you know, it really relaxes everything in you. So it's going to relax the tone of your voice as well. So when you're talking more like this. Oh, that's so interesting. That's a big sign. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's just knowing the, those little things like, and of course she's not going to know because she's never been around it. So I think it's so important to teach children and not only children, but adults about substance abuse and drugs and the real scenarios that happen yeah. that lead to substance abuse. Because you're, you're not just going to walk in on your kid shooting up. You're yeah. Going- yeah. Oh, you're going to maybe catch your kid drinking or yeah. you might not even catch them doing drugs because they're going to hide it especially if they're first starting they're not going to be like hey mom I'm yeah taking a pill tonight yeah. they're just going to do it and we do need to start teaching eight-year-olds yeah. about drug addiction because it is actually starting so much sooner than it was 10 years ago teaching kids about out like the names at the beginning i think that it's for a 10 year old or something like that someone younger you can do something like this okay here is your baseline of happiness i don't like the words neurotransmitters anything scientific right. because you're going to lose their attention immediately get their engagement keep it say your happy levels this is your happy levels the naturally that your brain produces so when you take a substance or a drug it's going to go Ooh, really high and then you're gonna come down and you're gonna be like oh I need that again so you're gonna come up but you're not gonna come up as high the next time and you're gonna go down again then all of a sudden you're stagnant and you're hitting the ground and you're trying to and you just hit and hit until you're just on the bottom when you get to be about 15 years old 14 15 then I think that it needs to be talked about the drugs that doctors prescribe um and it's not just them it's to inform them and how they're addicting and what can lead up to that point I didn't know what oxycodone was before I went in to get my wisdom teeth taken yeah. out like what I was like yeah. oh, this is okay like it's, it's coming I from a doctor yeah you can think of it as like an ibuprofen or something yeah. you don't know I didn't even know this and I wouldn't have even known this if this never happened to me yeah of course it's just so insane I have no other yeah. words yeah and like we said it just happened for you so innocently oh yeah a lot of the people that I help out of addiction I would say 90 percent of them that have reached out to me to help them got addicted from a surgery and being prescribed oh god and that made me realize how much I was not alone. And that was after I had recovered, but it just made me realize how prevalent this is and that it is a huge problem. Oh, and another reason that I wasn't, nobody knew about my addiction was I was getting very good grades in college. So I yeah. I had my, when I graduated, my GPA was like a 3.6, 3.7. It was something oh, like wow. that. But I think I that's it. People think that addicts are living on the streets and unable to work, a drain yeah. on society, but like they're yes. actually in college they're, working. Yes. I get DMs of lawyers contacting me say, saying that they are taking opiates and drinking and washing it down with a bottle of Jack and they're performing well with their clients. Like they're doing well and they're not going to want to admit it to anyone that they know. I want to be the person 
for other addicts that are that were like me and help them out of addiction because I know it's possible because I did it. Mm-hmm. And I've helped other people do it. Because, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's another reason of why I do not regret being an addict and having these relapses and going through these awful experiences and is because it has made me be able to help other people out of this experience, like yeah. this terrible spot. Yeah, and absolutely. It just makes, that makes me happy. And it makes me happy that I was able to get out of it, start my own business and have the time to actually help these people. I think it's so, it's such an interesting perspective and I think it's so much more common than we think it is. Absolutely. It really is. Where can people find you online? On Instagram, TikTok? Yeah. So TikTok, it is, it's addiction to entrepreneur. I'm going to start an Instagram, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. And I know that TikTok is just way more outreach that I can. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for being on our podcast and sharing your story. It's incredible and important and will save a lot of lives. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys reaching out to me. This has been awesome and I can't wait to see it. Awesome. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I'll send you a message with the link on it and we'll tag you on TikTok with it. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Enjoy the rest of your day. You guys too. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. What? Like, I I know I've brought this up so many times. I want to listen back to just the intros and outros of every single episode to hear the progression of when it became a, hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. We have a very, I can see the wave (laughs) in my head of what that looks like. So funny. Yeah, you should go back and literally just like clip that out of every episode and we'll do like a competition. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. Hey, Michelle. (laughs) Oh, it does go very yeah, up and then down. Yeah, it's so funny. Lauren, thank you so flipping much for being on our podcast. Absolutely. That was so interesting. I don't think a lot of people talk about addiction. Yeah, and... it's like the side of addiction that you don't consider. It could be literally any of us that are prescribed something that has an addictive quality and like without the resources Absolutely. or education or knowledge or whatever. You pointed out that in the whole intro we did... We didn't talk about the Patreon. It's like we don't no. even want to be Where's successful. It, unbelievable. My God, what is Patreon? Patreon is a monthly subscription that you can sign up for that gives you bonus content of our podcast and it helps support the show and the work that we do. And it gives you back at least two brand new episodes a month that will never be heard anywhere yeah. else. Higher levels, you get a video, you get discounts off of our merch, yep. you get episodes, patron episodes a day early. Ooh, uh, I've yeah, got a pile of packages that I'm sending out to our $10 patrons, our ultimate stuffies. Yeah, you'll, get, you'll get little surprises from us, and then you get entered into draws oh, yeah. that we have. We often have a guest who has either a book or a piece of merch or a that service. we yeah. auction up. Or Give not away. auction yeah. up, giveaway. Yeah, and for October, uh-huh. we're interviewing a psychic medium out of New York. Tarot, tarot reader. Yeah, yeah, she's so funny. And she mm-hmm. is going to give away a signed copy of her book. So. That's so awesome. And her book is very much like how to spot what to look for when you're looking for yeah. somebody like that. What are the things that you're looking for that will 
give you what you need and not scam yeah. you. So it's more of an education on how to find the right, the yeah, right person. That's cool. So yeah, we're getting into spooky season. We are, we've got a couple spooky interviews coming yeah. up on our Patreon and on our main feed. So it's yeah. pretty exciting. I know. I, for somebody that doesn't like holidays, I sure get excited about our October episodes. Yeah, I do too. I think it's something different, but it's still interesting. I just yeah. love it. And also we, so at our ultimate Sufti level, I know you love that name, we do shout outs. So our newest Sufti, ultimate Sufti level member on Patreon is Erica. So Erica, thank you yeah. so stinking much for being an thank ultimate you so Sufti. You are the ultimate Sufti. <laughs> yeah, so it's weird. a little weird, but I like I'm open to changing the names. I think we need names, not just tier one, two, three. Oh no, I think yeah. it works. I think it works. It has a very good yeah. ring to it. And then also people should follow us on social media. We're yes, everywhere. Just look up. I did not sign up for this. We're on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're also on Buy Me a Coffee. If you guys ever want to support us in a way where you're not signing up for mm -hmm. the Patreon, but you want to support us as a one-time thing. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah. We love that. And we just appreciate any time you guys share or send us messages about the episode or engage with us. Oh, on leave us a media. review, especially yeah. if you're on Apple. Leave us a review. Yeah. Yeah. And, and download our episodes. Oh, yeah. Do that too. God, we're asking a lot of people. Why not just yeah. ask for everything while we're here? <laughs> we're all, I feel like there's some sort of like, we're all in it together or like yeah. shoot for the stars or shoot for the moon. Shoot for the moon. Go straight to All the, the way, top. either way, you'll land amongst the stars. I don't know. Something motivational. Okay. All right. Sure. Yeah. We should Love leave it. every. Hang in there. <laughs> we should leave every episode <laughs> with a motivational quote. Okay. I'm going to leave that to you because I hate <laughs> I know quotes. you do. This is why I said it. There is a guy on TikTok who I honestly cannot handle. He did this thing this week, and it, or maybe it was last week, but it was like, if you're hearing this message on September 12th, <laughs> then this message is for you. I'm so proud of him. Like, as soon as, no, thank I, you. I do not want to hear that you're proud of me. I do not want to hear that you think I'm doing a good job. I send you those all the time. Goodbye. Once, um, hey, baby girl. I just want ugh. you to know I'm really proud of you. <laughs> no. Even the ones that are like sassy where it's like unclench your yeah. fucking jaw. I shouldn't swear. When they're like unclench your jaw. And I was just like, don't tell me what to <laughs> do. I too hard now. Yeah. Yeah. God. Anyway. All right. I'm going to let you go. But have a great okay. day. We you hope everybody. And everybody. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm going to go eat some lunch. All right. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.